Welcome back to episode 79 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined tonight by Scott Harrington and producer Dan Humphrey. Jason Lewandowski has the night off. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people, making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more. Well, we had Rob McKinley in from, uh, last week from Hockey Players in Business. He was here in studio. That was kind of unique to finally have an in-studio guest, Scott. Um, the organization puts on some great networking events. Uh, we're looking forward. I was really kind of hoping to go with you on Wednesday down to Shooters, June 15th. Um, Barstool Sports, Pink Whitney's going to be there. I'll be celebrating my older brother's 50th birthday that day, so I can't get out of that. More Pink Whitney for me. That's right. Uh, uh, that's going to be a great uh, event. If, you, if you're listening, it's Monday right now. Uh, I know we're going to get this on the air here probably tonight or tomorrow, Tuesday. You still have time to uh, sign up and get over there. Yes, you don't have to be a member. <clears throat> so there's a, a non-member price to get in. It should be well worth it. Yeah, hockey players and business is a great way to make connections with other business people with a shared interest and background. Uh, and as Rob told us, their definition of hockey player is pretty liberal. So pretty much anybody can join and go to some great events. Yes. What's the saying? I would never join a club that would have me as a member. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's a great organization. It's just, I have to do networking things for work all the time. And I, I hate doing them. It's always uncomfortable. But you go to that one, you know, you've got an easy way to strike up a conversation. It just makes it a lot of fun. So when you when you go on network, obviously, I'm in education. So I don't have to like, like those whole business things are like foreign to me, right? Yeah. When you have to go network and you know, you don't know any interests of anybody that you're dealing with. What, what do you, how do you spark up a conversation? It's not easy. I'm not good at it. I have some coworkers that are just great at it. I usually tell, tag them around behind them. I find it easier when I don't know them and I'm not supposed to know them. What gets me, I'm horrible with names. Right. That is a real problem. And I, it, what bothers me more is when there's a group of people, I know there's at least one of them who I should know their name and I don't. So I think that's worse. Whoever's, whoever's listening to this right now or will be listening to this, I would say nine out of 10 people have that issue, right? It's the worst. It's, bad, it's, it's the worst, yeah. right? Like when you, you, somebody comes up to you, Hey Scott, how you doing? And you're with like your wife or somebody. And I mean, it's the most uncomfortable ever. Terrible, terrible. So yeah, especially in a business setting where you're <laughs> supposed to be, you know, introducing them to other people and making connections and all that. And I'm like, ah, what's this so what's your go-to? How do you like, so mine I'll is always like, well, mine is someone comes up to me and is like, Oh, hi, this is, you know, I'll be like, oh, whoever I'm with, let's say I'm with you or with my wife. Right, right. Hey, That's this is old, Scott, this exactly. Scott Harrington. Go ahead, try to <laughs> exactly have the person with you and yeah, yeah, yeah. themselves first. Yeah. That's tough, man. That's yeah, well, tough. anyhow, uh, uh, hockey players in business is a great networking opportunity, like you said, Scott, with people who have the same liked interests. So there's an easy way to start a conversation. When we went to the one down in Valley View, I mean, the three of us were there, and I don't think we talked to each other all night. Yeah. We were just talking to other people. Yeah, and I went to another real good one. I think it was pre-pandemic. It was at um, Southern Tier uh, downtown, mm -hmm. and they had the, the owner in there to talk about how it got started and um, how he's got to spend all his time trying to come up with new beers and all that. They were they were just had one up at uh, the Tamil Shan in Toledo. 
uh, a happy hour at the uh, the loft up there at the rink. You know, those are like I mean, it's an hour and twenty minutes away. You know, those are things right. that I'd go up there and yeah, you know, meet and talk with the guys. And they've, so yeah, they've got a chapter there too. I'm sure it's pretty active. One in Columbus. Yep. Nice. We also had the opportunity to talk, uh, touch base with a friend of the show, Mark Monroe of the Toledo Blade, and got into the playoff run for the Toledo Walleye, who over the weekend were knocked out of the Kelly Cup final for the East Coast Hockey League Championship uh, down in Florida. It was a disappointing end of the season and for head coach Dan Watson and his team. But what a season they had. I, uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to talk to Dan, and, and, but man, he is doing something special over there with that walleye program. Sellout after sellout. And the on-ice product, and it started, uh, what's his name, Lalonde, who's an assistant coach with the Lightning, was previous to him mm-hmm. as the head coach in Toledo. started with him for two years, and now five years with Coach Watson. What was the number I had in the notes? But over a seven-year period, they have a 700 winning percentage. Unreal. I, told, I talked to Scott uh, Friday night. Um, it was the first time I've ever listened to a minor league hockey game, the entire game, via radio. How was it? It was, it was, it was all right. Yeah. Now I didn't know a lot of players on Florida. Um, and, and the guy from Toledo that was, uh, he was on like 1230 AM. What was calling the game. He was just regurgitating, uh, Toledo's guys, uh, names, which is fine. Mm-hmm. They did a nice job. I mean, they, they, it kept, it was entertaining, you know, hated to see how they lost, but you know, yeah, I watched the highlights the day after. Um, but I was following on, I had the, like the ECHL, website open to just follow the scoreboard you know yeah see what was going on yeah so win on friday got him in the series and then game four game four is always a pivotal game in a seven game series they had a lead two to one and uh let it get away with so they, they won on wednesday lost on friday oh no, i'm sorry wednesday. yeah yeah, yeah. Lost friday and then uh lost saturday yeah lost saturday to end the series but yeah we'll talk a little about a little bit more of that in the news but um This week will be our latest dedication to the girls game as we talk with Carrie Bowman and Emily Curlett from the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets. That tier one AAA program has recently created some additional opportunities for girls to advance their hockey career. And we surely look forward to hearing more about that. But first, let's kind of talk about what's going on with the boys here. Danny, you're uh, um, you've got some news. You want to share some news or no? Uh, Yeah, I mean. As uh, as you know, Coach Sullivan, um, we just kind of been working through some things here, and uh, at uh, starting in July, we'll be uh, taking an opportunity to be the tech director at St. Ed's High School. So, look at you! I'll be uh, joining you guys there. It'll be nice to bring uh, the the place of employment and the coaching life back together, and right continue to right. build those build those bonds with the with the boys. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I everybody, uh, obviously what you do for the show, but what you do in, in your everyday job and, and is just, you're tremendous, tremendous at what you do. And so uh, I know St. Ed's is very fortunate to have you join their uh, their team. Um, now, the number of laptops you have to keep track of over the summer, that goes down considerably, doesn't it? Oh, yes. I mean, I think right now I'm trying to keep track of 3,000 plus student devices. Yeah, no, that'll that'll go down. That'll go down by a, a, about a half. So, um, well, good. Congratulations, Danny. Uh, we're excited uh, to have you uh, join St. Ed's, and uh, you know you, you, your work that de- definitely uh, makes people see and and you know you showcase it well. So, uh, Scott, how's it going? You and I, uh, we're we're going out to dinner tonight. 
Yes, we are. And we're going to talk about that in the news, but yeah, yeah looking forward to it. Yeah, we're going out to dinner, man. I, I can't wait. Is it, oh, that was just a to go thing. We're going to sit down and. Oh, oh, we're going to, I'm going to spend every minute I can of this. Our listeners are like, what the hell are they talking about? What's going on with you? Anything good? Oh, had a pretty good weekend, actually. You know, it's, it's funny. Every time we do this at the beginning of every show, and it's always usually like right when you come to me is when I first think, oh, what do I have to say? Right. I give my son a hard time because every time we go to a restaurant and they ask him what he wants to drink, it's like the first time anybody's after asked him that question, <laughs> but maybe he gets it for me. But, uh, no, we had a pretty good weekend, actually, Mrs. Harrington and I. We went to uh, see Maverick on Friday. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I can't wait to see it. I'm so jacked. It was, it was really good. So Friday night after the uh, uh, listening to the, the game, I was out with my neighbors till about 1.30 in the morning playing the best of Kenny Loggins on my phone. And we probably played <laughs> Danger Zone 3,000 times. <laughs> yeah, well, that's definitely in there. Uh, they play Danger Zone in there again? Oh, yeah. Oh, damn. They have to. Can't wait. I think they had some of the same music and like the background mood music, too. Um, definitely some nods to the the first one, which I think we talked about this last time. I was not a big fan. I mean, it's a huge, it's a good movie, huge movie. Yeah. But I always thought it was kind of corny. I wouldn't, you know, watch it if it was on or anything like that. But this one was really good. So I read or I heard it was an interview of all the movies that Tom Cruise has made. And you, and you could, you know, like Tom Cruise, don't like him. I mean, you have to respect the fact that he's a really good actor. He did say that this was the best movie he's ever made. I think it probably is. And I was, uh, yeah, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't inclined to go see it, but everybody I talked to that had seen it kept telling me how great it was. Yeah. So we went Friday. That was good. Saturday, I uh, went out to a wine bar uh, in Vermilion. No, I won't mention the place, no free ads, but uh, one of my wife's coworkers and her husband wanted to meet us out at their favorite winery. And uh, it was horrific. Yeah, that was the, wine. the company was great. I had a good time meeting him, all that, but, my mine was was bad and i think jenny's was worse it's just a did they have food out there or no yeah oh okay and they had a live band it was we were easily the youngest people there (laughs) but uh but it was a good time it was a good time i would go again um i'm not really a wine you know connoisseur or anything like that and then uh sunday we went to the art show out in chagrin falls okay which is a good one uh it's always nice bumming around chagrin falls and then uh headed over to visit my mother-in-law so it was a it was a packed weekend. Good. Yeah, I was uh, I did Sunday. I did a, a 5K memorial run for Jacob Butsy, who was a, uh, a cross country and hockey runner at San Rose High School, passed away uh, to cancer. So they did a, uh, the first uh, 5K it was great. Love. And I went out there. Um, we did the one mile fun walk. <laughs> OK, we didn't do the 5K, though. Uh, we did the one mile fun walk, which was fun. It was great. Uh, and then we, uh, uh, we had a few, uh, graduation parties, but that was about it. Yeah. That was about it. Yeah. So, um, well, good. Well, here we go. Let's see what's in the news of the Ohio hockey digest. Let's do a walleye fall in East coast hockey league finals. As we talked about earlier, the, the way game four ended allowing a tying goal with 20 seconds left and then lost in overtime. That was a tough loss. Very tough. Now, well, I don't know what was worse, the tough loss or the fact that we had tickets for games six we and seven tickets for games. So there was still, they could have won on Saturday would have, we right. would have, uh, we would have got out there, but you lose game four like that. Uh, and you have to come back less than 24 hours later. Yeah. yeah that's rough. That's tough. Yeah. So they were obviously pretty fired up to finish it off at home. Kelly club, uh, Kelly cup MVP, Cleveland monsters goalie, Cam Johnson. Yeah. MVP. So he played like 20 games for the monsters this year. Yeah. 
when they got healthy, he went down to the coast, as they call it, the ECHL, and uh, ended up backstopping that Florida team to the championship. Played well. Yeah, played very well. Uh, Ohio native Trent Vogelhuber was named head coach of the Cleveland Monsters. Vogelhuber, the first Ohio native drafted by the Blue Jackets, started at Miami University and played for the Monsters during their Calder Club. Calder Cup winning season in 2016. He was an assistant coach in Cleveland for the past four seasons. And we should mention he was on, I think, about the fifth or sixth episode. Yeah, he was on one, one of our infancy. Yeah, uh, he was on early. We, we were we didn't know what we were doing. We no, were. we still don't know what the hell we're doing, but he was uh um we were still locked in our houses at that time. Yeah. 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 Former late Catholic goaltender Patrick Crisco Christo will join the Kent State Golden Flashes this season. Christo starred for the Norwich Sea Captains of the NA3HL this past season, where he was a teammate of former Centerville High School sniper Drew Schemmel. Schemmel will also play ACHA Division I hockey this fall at Lawrence Tech. Christo was a tough goalie. Oh, yeah. I was going to look up. I think he was first league, first or second team. Uh, in the uh, uh, Great Lakes League. He was, yeah. yeah he was. He was a good one. Um, and we're going to have some women's hockey guests on. We're very excited about that. Speaking of women's hockey... The IIHF Women's U18 World Championships are going on this week, and the U.S. and Canada are playing tonight. We're taping this on Monday in the semifinals. 7.30 face-off right after we record this, and maybe if we're lucky, they'll have the game on at the Humble Wine Bar. Oh, speaking of the Humble Wine Bar, why would we be going to the Humble Wine Bar to get a delicious, by the way, they, it's, it's, it is, I guess it's a wine bar, but they have this unbelievable pizza oven uh, that they make these pizza are delicious right we've, we've been there before we had the pizzas no free ads no free ads but but when was it i think it was wednesday night uh, yeah whatever the next game was I wednesday think. night the oilers were playing colorado the oilers Four. the oilers go up three to two i then sent a text message to the group to producer dan humphrey lev and scott harrington and i said i will bet a mushroom pizza at the humble wine bar that Smith lets a soft goal in between his legs. What do you do, Scott? I'll be damned if he didn't let a soft goal. Well, well, let's let's game winning goal. Game winning goal. Well, let's go back. Overtime. I believe that the response text message that you sent was, "I'll take that bet." Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> what are the chances? Have you seen them all? All all playoffs? <laughs> what do you mean? I couldn't believe you took that bet. Yeah. Well, I had this theory. We talked about it with when Rob McKinley was here. I had this theory that I didn't think they were going to come back and win the series or anything like that. But, I, you know, he's got a lot of pride. This might be his last game. You never know. It's probably going to be his last game. He's 41 years old, right? Yeah, he's he's 40. He's signed for next year, but they're talking about he's talking about retiring. Um, and he's just, you know, not the goalie he used to be and all that. But I figured he would just, you know, summon one last heroic effort to stop them from getting right. Stop them from getting swept. Yeah, he went through his and legs. Just, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. More of the same. And I saw the other goalie just signed to play in uh, Switzerland or something like that. Oh, really? Uh, the Finnish guy. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm happy to go to Humble Wine Bar and break bread with you, though. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So we have uh, Tampa Bay seeking their third in a row. And uh, you've got Colorado, who's, I mean, Clearly, I think has some of the best players playing right now, right? The way that they're playing. Oh yeah, they're they're loaded. Yeah, they're really good. What's your thoughts? Ah, uh, I think it's hard to bet against Tampa. 
but I don't know. I just think Colorado, it's their time. I think they're good enough. And I think, I think that Colorado is going to win. And this is going to be the end of the era for, for Tampa. Danny, who do you like? Uh, I'll take Colorado in seven. Ooh. Oh, geez. He's even calling it out. Colorado in seven. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go against you guys. I'm going to go Tampa. I'm not going to give you a game count, but I'm going to go Tampa. Um, go wrong with Tampa either. I think Vasilevsky is just going to absolutely show up. I don't think he played the best uh, against. Uh, I know it was a sweep. I get that, but I don't think he was as comfortable. They, it's, it's going to be a reversal now, right? Colorado's now been sitting there waiting for him, mm-hmm. and Tampa's now just mm-hmm. kind of going. You know what I'm saying? Just my thoughts. I think Vasilevsky is just going to he's just going to kill it. I could be. And then Patrick Maroon is going for his fourth straight. I mean, that would be up. that would be unbelievable. The big rig. Yeah. Corey Perry is playing in the finals with the for the third straight year with three different teams. He was with Montreal last year, right? Montreal last year and what Dallas the year before. Right? And he hasn't won it. And won yet. Never won in Anaheim, obviously. Right. Or no, he won in Anaheim. He did win. Yeah, okay. Um, but you, you talk about Maroon. Yeah. So they had him on, they interviewed him before the game. Uh, I don't know if we'll forget I forget what game it was. And he goes out and has that the first goal of the game. That guy just absolutely he just grinds, grinds it out. Yeah. Like you got to – I also want to bring up one other thing. What were your thoughts on putting Reeves as a healthy scratch? Uh, Two games in a row. Well, he serves a very specific purpose, and if you don't think that's what you need, then get some legs in there. So I, I kind of I thought – Who they put in for him? I forget. Dryden Hunt, probably, 29. They, they needed another center, they said. But – the one thing that I struggled with that was you're right. He's very specific in his role, right? He did take a lot of penalties in this uh, series, but if he's your 12th forward or your 11th forward, you want that guy on the bench. I mean, that guy, he, I mean, he was still there leading the, them out to, to go out on the ice in his streak in his like a warm-up close. Yeah. Like, I just think you need that presence yeah. on the bench. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm with you. He's not, I mean, he's not going to probably bring a lot, but as the 11th or 12th, I don't know if they went 11 or 12 forwards that game. I don't know what they did. I think they went 12. Um, I just think you need that, that presence on the bench. He'd be nice. I mean, there's not as many, as as much uh, fighting in the playoffs, but I'm sure it's nice to have that guy around. If somebody starts running around like an idiot. Right. And I mean, not only no one's going to run around. Maybe Patrick Maroon starts running around like an idiot. (laughs) You know, yeah, or, or Perry, right? He can, he can play like that, and then you get you don't have anybody to go take care of. Remember, they went out. That's interesting because remember, was it last summer or the summer before? They went they out and got the him. guy got body slammed at the end of the right. Panarin got body slammed by somebody, but they went out and got like three guys. Like yeah, that. And I said it's not well. That's kind of overkill. You're not going to use all those guys, right? So here they are in the playoff game, and they're sitting them. So, yeah. uh, you want to talk about Boston? Because sure. on your notes here. It says shit show in Boston. So, yeah. so this is the time of year where when you watch hockey, you probably watch it like a coach. I watch it more as like a, either a media person or a, or a general manager. Okay. Kind of look the bigger pictures in the long-term plan. So I just think what's happening in Boston, despite the fact that I'm a fan of the team, it's just an interesting study in how bad shit went downhill so fast. Uh, Bergeron, and he hadn't officially retired yet, but. Uh, Marshawn's going to get hip surgery. I think he already had it. 
And I don't think he would have done it if he knew Bergeron was coming back. But anyway, that happens. And you think, wow, that's that's two right there, two your top three. And then McAvoy, your top defenseman, out six months. Right. Plus Grizzlick, who would have played behind him. And then uh, they fire the coach. So everything's just everything's changing. And now they got Pasternak's in the last year of his contract. So he's probably looking here going, Ooh. yeah, right. I mean, so they might have to trade him. So basically that whole lot, the perfection line just gone in one summer, potentially. Crazy. Crazy. So it's just funny how it can just switch so quickly. Do you want to know so where Calgary has the same thing? They've got uh uh what's his name? Goudreau and uh, Kachuk, Matthew mm-hmm. Kachuk, who both might leave. And then that changes that whole thing overnight too. I think Boston went downhill when they when they traded uh Krug. Think so? I'm just <laughs> I don't know. You have to you have to take it back to something, right? Yeah. Well, it's been two years. He's been in St. Louis now, right? Two or three years. I think it's back when they traded Phyllis Bazito. But <laughs> did you ever hear that story about when Don Cherry told Phyllis Bazito he was traded? No. It was a great story. So Harry Sin and the general manager tells uh Don Cherry as he's co- coaching the Bruins, we traded Esposito to the Rangers. Go tell him. So Don Cherry brings Bobby Orr with him. They go up to Philip Zito's hotel room and uh, Phil, you know, you've been traded. And he's like sitting on the end of the bed. Dog, he's despondent. He's loves playing in Boston. And he's like, oh my God, it's terrible. He goes, wait, wait a minute, where'd I go? He goes, if you tell me the Rangers, I'm going to jump out that window. And Don Cherry goes, Bobby, get away from the window. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, uh, I look forward to talking more hockey over this awesome uh, mushroom pizza. So this episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training sessions. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more. back to the show. Gary Bowman has years of experience as a coach and educator. And before that, as a player in the junior college and pro ranks, he was recently named director of girls hockey for the Ohio AAA blue jackets, as well as the head coach of the newly formed tier one AAA girls program that is set to begin with a 14 U team in 2022 and 2023 season. Emily Curlette will be coached on the U 14 team and also serve as an ambassador of girls hockey for the program. She recently capped off her five-year NCAA playing career by winning a national championship for the Buckeyes of Ohio State University. Please welcome on air, Carrie Bowman and Emily Curlett. Welcome, everybody. Great, great to be here, guys. Thanks for having us. No problem. I think uh, Dan, our producer, did a nice job with the intro music there. Emily, I don't know if that <laughs> got you all jacked up there. That was, uh, that was good stuff. So first of all, congratulations on that. We're going to talk about that uh, in a minute, but Carrie. And let's, I want to hear all about the additions of girls hockey. And it's, you know, we've been, we've been kind of really pumping the tires of, of female hockey and women's hockey here 
especially in, in Northeast Ohio. And um, we're, we're so glad to hear what you guys are doing because it's, it's, you know, it's great to hear that we're adding and we're growing uh, the sport, not only in the male game, but also the, the female game. Um, but let's start with your background, Terry. You grew up and played junior A uh, hockey in Ontario. How, how far did your playing career go? Um, so I got to, to play a little minor pro. It was something, you know, growing up and going through minor hockey and uh, the OHL draft and things that you do when you play AAA hockey in Ontario. Uh, you know, there was a time there where I wasn't sure where hockey was going to take me. And I was got fortunate enough to, to play some junior A and was was offered a scholarship at Mercyhurst and uh, played my four years of Division One there. And, you know, for me, getting a scholarship and getting my school paid for was kind of the the ultimate goal for me um, in my hockey career and anything above and beyond that was kind of icing on the cake. So, you know, getting a chance to play a couple of years, minor pro after uh, getting to training camp, in the American league and things like that was just, you know, it was, it was a good experience. It wasn't something I was going to do forever, but uh, it was definitely, uh, you know, a fun experience for sure. So you did play at, uh, you said at Mercyhurst uh, for Rick Acton over there and, and um, your freshman year, 2005 Atlantic hockey champs and NCAA tournament still only division one league title and NCAA appearance for the school history. Um, what other schools uh, did you talk to before you committed to Mercyhurst? There was a few and, you know, unfortunately uh, there's a few of them that are now defunct because it was right around the time where there was a bunch of schools that got forced up to D one from D two and a bunch of them ended up folding, including Finley, obviously, which is a school I, I had been in contact with, uh, had a friend of mine actually play there as well. A couple of guys I know uh, when the team folded and, uh, I was talking to a couple of schools in the ECAC as well, um, St. Lawrence and, you know, a couple others, nothing too serious. You know, I, I, I didn't take the advice that I would give an athlete nowadays, which is to, to take as many visits as you can and kind of get a feel for different schools. I got on campus at Mercyhurst and, you know, they had the program I wanted. I really liked the size of the school. It's a smaller school. I'm from a smaller town. So uh, for me, it was a good fit and I, and I jumped on it. Well, you can't go wrong. I mean, if, if, if our listeners have never been to Mercyhurst, it's one of the most beautiful campuses I've ever uh, walked through. Um, so then you, you played a couple of years, two plus years uh, uh, for little pro hockey at Port Huron in the IHL. Um, what was the most rewarding thing about playing at that level? And what was the most disappointing thing? Because I have a story for you. I think I was at one of your games. Because <laughs> I do have, this is crazy. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see which game, uh, depending on what the story is. Uh, you know, I, for me, I think one of the most rewarding things, and this is kind of like a random tie-in, but uh, my dad actually played a long time professionally, including his first professional stop was uh, for Columbus for the Seals back in uh, the early 70s. But he actually played a long time in the IHL, the original iteration of the IHL. Um, and, you know, he played for the Flint Generals and played, you know, in the same rinks that I did, played in Fort Huron against the Flags, played in Fort Wayne played in Kalamazoo and Muskegon. So for me, you know, I think one of the, the coolest things was getting to play in all the same rinks that my dad did, albeit, you know, the new IHL wasn't the same as the old IHL. We were more kind of down that double A level. We weren't, you know, a feeder system to the NHL like it used to be. So I think that was, you know, that was one of the neat things for me. And, uh, you know, I, it was just, it was a different experience. You know, you, you called your coach by the first year, you know, his first name and it was a lot more, just adults and, you know, yeah. the relationships were just a lot more professional. And it was definitely more like a business too, which is, you know, unfortunate sometimes. So a uh, friend of the show, but a uh, friend of uh, uh, myself and uh, Jason Lewandowski, who also uh, is a host here. He's not here today. Uh, Steve Rimshaw, uh, 
I don't know, did you play with Stevie over there? I did play with Rimmer and actually uh funny story. I was, I always wore the number 16 because that was the number that my dad wore when he played uh, and played for Chicago. And both my sister and I wore it most of the time uh, in college. And I tried to wear it as much as possible. And he, uh, Rimmer actually wore number 16 as well. So he got traded to us and he was working for, I think he was working for Reebok at the time, um, back when they were still in the hockey game. And he actually gave me like a gift package of a bunch of apparel in order to exchange the, the <laughs> number. I didn't get a Rolex like you do in the NHL, but yeah, he's, uh, sure. he's a great guy. Surely sounds like Rimmer. So uh, he, he calls us up and I know that uh, uh, Chris Bogus was also playing at Team Bogus. He's, he's a kid <laughs> and, and uh, so I know, you know, I know those guys. So he calls us up and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, we're playing in at Port Huron at home. You know, if you guys want to come up, you know, we'll have a few beers after the game or whatever, maybe I'm like, all right, sweet. So love and I get in the car, we go up there. And uh, the first, I walk in and, and that first of all, they ask me, are you here for the hockey game or the boxing match? <laughs> Swear to God, right? And I'm like, oh, here we go with the joke, right? The old hockey joke, right? And they're like, no, because at your rink, there was another section to it at Port yeah. Huron. Yeah, and they literally had a boxing <laughs> match going on. So I'm like, oh, it's not a joke. No, we're here for the hockey game. So I, I walk in and I, I shit you not, I walk in and the first person, that I see is Boba Fett. It's Star Wars night at Port Huron. <laughs> and it was, I'll never, I swear to you, I'll never forget this in my life. I mean, they had like stormtroopers running on the ice and stuff. Oh yeah. People, people bailing, like the, the stormtroopers hats are coming flying off. They went to do the chuck a puck. Well, actually they didn't even do the chuck a puck. I think you guys scored and everyone started throwing the pucks. <laughs> like, I, I said, I said to Lev, I go, where, where are we? Seriously, where the hell are we, man? Like, it was the greatest event I think I've ever been to in my entire life. Right? They had a, I think they had a stormtrooper sing the national anthem, and yeah. they had, like, Darth Vader do the puck drop or something. Yeah, it was. It, it was insane. That's, that's minor was, pro hockey for you. I t- tell you, one of, the, one of the other craziest things I saw was in Flint. Um, <laughs> I was, <laughs> she's from Michigan. She's like, oh, God, what could happen there? Um, it was, you had to bring a case of water. <laughs> so you had to bring your case of water to get in to help the community. And there's literally a hot tub. People are watching the game from near the Zamboni in a hot tub. I'm like, I got to get involved in this act, man. Like this looks, sounds like a good time right here. So, but so, all right, Carrie, I just wanted to throw my little uh, port here on story out at you. And, and I told Rimmer after that, I said, don't, don't ever uh, tell me when you play again up here. I don't know if I want to <laughs> deal with Boba, like literally Boba Fett right out of the rip. <laughs> guy scared me so let's get emily in here uh you grew up in michigan <laughs> as sully said so same question to you what was your path to ncaa hockey uh and initially uh, robert morris university yeah um it's funny actually i played for the flags um i believe it was 10 11 and 12 <laughs> um, so i might have maybe overlapped them but but i know what you're talking about i know exactly what you're talking about and uh I remember going to Flint generals games when I was young, young too. So I know that crowd as well. Oh yeah. Um, It was something. It was something. (laughs) It was, um, sorry, but yeah, I I played girls to play. And then I ended up at RMU, um, for my four years and kind of like Carrie, I came from a small town. Um, so I wanted to go somewhere kind of small and, um, they have a major and that was good enough for me. And I kind of was late to the recruiting game. I, I didn't really have a lot of guidance when I was in my first year 16. So when I got to second year, I was like, 
I got to figure it out and I got to go somewhere and they have what I needed. And I liked the coaching and, and the team. So I went there um, and I, I loved it for my four years. And then obviously May of last year, when they cut the programs, I needed somewhere to go. Um, and I looked at a, a bunch of different schools, um, but I don't think anything could rival what Ohio State had to offer. And it made sense and it was close to home. And um, and I was really excited about the fit culture-wise. So then I ended up here and now here we are a year later. Um, yeah, Ring. it's been a ride. I don't know. Here you are uh, a year later. I don't know the national, a national champion. I, don't, I mean, just whatever, just a year later. Right. I mean, I don't know how your year went. I, I, had, a, I had a good year, but it wasn't, I, didn't, no, I, didn't, I didn't have that rank. year either. <laughs> so, well, first of all, what was the major that they had? Um, at Robert Morris, originally I went for sports psychology and then I ended up switching to organizational leadership with a minor in psych. Okay. And you're still in school. I am. Yeah. I'll be done in August. We're almost home. Maybe, maybe done in August. So that's a real unique situation with the, uh, well, I guess it was partly with the pandemic, but also obviously the program shut down at Robert Morris, but with everybody basically being a free agent each summer for, for the college players. So that had to have been kind of a, and you did play four years for, mm-hmm. right? um, so how many teams did you, schools did you talk to? Do you just put your name, you literally, there's a portal, literally you put your name in and then you wait and you get contacted from coaches. How does that work? Um, yeah. So after they had the the zoom, they sent us a link to this form you filled out and it threw you in the portal. Um, and a couple of schools reached out to me right away. And unfortunately it was actually right before, um, I think Memorial day weekend. So this was like a Thursday. So a lot of people were gone. So I reached out to other coaches and it was a lot of, um, like WCHA teams, ECA teams, stuff like that. Um, I pretty much wanted to go to a different league so I could get a different um, look at competition. And then, you know, of those schools, I wanted to go to one of the best because that was always my goal in the first place. So, um, yeah, I looked at just pretty much all WCHA teams and any team that I could reach out to, I did. And then I saw who reached back out to me and, and went from there, honestly. Well, when you saw that Ohio state reached out that had to, we heard about the zoom too, by the way, we had Aiden Spellacy and, uh, Warmuth, Quinn Warmuth on. Yeah. Uh, they told us about the Zoom. So that's that's got to be a low, like a super low point. And then you end up at Ohio State that has a national uh, contending program. That's got to be a, a big swing there. But um, so with the Buckeyes, you, you're trying to fit in with a new team. You had uh, some impressive offensive numbers there at Robert Morris, including the program record for career goals and points. You're a defenseman, right? Uh, yeah. You had 17 goals one year. Um, and now you end up at Ohio state, they've got an established team, lots of great players there. So how did you, how did they, how'd they fit you in? <laughs> yeah. So, um, when I came here, uh, we ended up getting quite a few transfers, um, just from stuff with the pandemic and everything. Um, so when I got here, it was actually like a couple of days, I think it was the week of our first game and they pulled me in the office and they're like, Hey, so we think you'd be a good forward. We want you to be a forward. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> Whatever you need. I mean, I knew that from the beginning, I mean, Muzzy, we had this uh, meeting with like all, the, the entire student athlete body. And this is way early. I think. Carrie, K- we still got you. We got Carrie. Yep. Still here. All right. So we'll wait to get Emily back here. Yeah. We'll wait to get her. She froze. Um, I think all the people from Michigan are mad at her. They, they just hijacked her internet right there. <laughs> coming back, coming to play. For- so Carrie, let's talk to you real quick. Let's talk about, how you got your start in coaching and um, 
you know, will this be the first time that you coach girls? No, actually, um, I got involved coaching girls. I recently moved from the DC area. Um, my wife was living there. So when I moved to the U S five years ago, she was living in the Northern Virginia, DC area. So when I moved there, I got connected, uh, through my sister, um, who actually played division one herself. Uh, she had a, a teammate of hers who was from DC and had played growing up for the Washington pride, which is the local tier one girls organization. So I got um, hooked up with them and, and their founder, Kush Sadu is kind of a, a legend in the women's hockey ranks. He's been involved in the game since uh, late eighties, early nineties, uh, first at Northeastern. And then he started the, the pride in DC. So he's been around a long time. So I got connected with them and obviously with COVID things kind of got, upended a bit the last couple of years, but um, was able to help with most of their U16 and, and U19 teams there. Okay. So, so you just mentioned that you, you moved here into the States five, well, about five, six years ago. So Correct. you moved yeah. to DC. How'd you guys end up in Columbus? <laughs> it's kind of a long story, but we, I'm from Southern Ontario, right across the river from Detroit. Um, and my wife's originally from Cleveland. So uh, during COVID, uh, there were some job disruptions and things like that, working remote and, and, you know, being laid off and whatnot. So we were looking to make a move, be closer to family. And we were trying to decide between, you know, Cleveland or Detroit. And then Columbus was kind of the, you know, the neutral territory where we could be a little further south, a little less snow than Cleveland. Yep. And, you know, honestly, the, the fact that the Jackets are here was, you know, part of the decision as well. It's always nice to have a good hockey base in the city with, you know, my background. So it's uh, kind of, it won out. It was a very, uh, very wild card and very, you know, leap of faith type decision. Right. Uh, coming from outside of the area, what are your impressions on, um, and, and working in the youth hockey space, what are your impressions on the impact that the presence of the Columbus Blue Jackets has had on youth hockey in central Ohio? I think it's huge, you know, as you know, unfortunately I'll date myself a bit, but you know, when I was growing up playing triple A hockey, we actually used to play in the Michigan league, uh, which included the Cleveland Barons. Um, it was a Pittsburgh. I think it was the Hornets at the time and teams in Chicago, the St. Louis junior blues. So we did a lot of travel in the, in the U S for hockey. And, you know, there was nothing in Columbus, you know, there was nothing here. There was no NHL team. There was no triple A team. So, you know, the fact with, you know, what Ed's done was starting the program a little after the NHL team started and, and growing the boys side to what it is now, where you have three players playing simultaneously for the Columbus Blue Jackets that are born and raised here. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how quickly and, you know, how impactful that program has been. And so, you know, to see where it's come from. And, you know, I think that's just a direct correlation with having the Blue Jackets here. I mean, obviously being able to go to games and getting that exposure and seeing it, it's just, you know, it, it creates a whole different attitude with kids and, you know, with their fandom and kind of what they, they look up to and what they want to be. And we have Emily back. We didn't, we got to the best part. We're going to talk about winning a national championship and we lost you. Um, I think it was your Michigan cronies that were hijacked. Yeah, your, your wire there. Um, so um, you, they make you a forward. Um, uh, yeah. Coach McGraw makes you a forward. That's where we, we left off. Um, how was that adjustment? And then at what point did you realize that team was good enough to, to win a championship? Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was a very interesting adjustment trying to relearn how to be a forward when you're 22 years old is 
not that easy on the best team in the country. So um, it was it was interesting, but I did a lot of just watching video and asking questions um, and that helped a lot. I mean, I had amazing players surrounding me and I had a phenomenal coaching staff. So really it wasn't all that hard in the grand scheme of things because all I had to do was watch and learn and, and practice and just do what they told me to do. Um, but it, it ended up being, <laughs> ended up being probably pretty much right away Muzzy had established that she wanted to win a national championship. I mean, she did it in front of the entire student athlete body of Ohio state. And I mean, we believed her, we believed in it. And I think, um, you know, when we were started getting into the season, every game that went by, I think we knew we were really, really good, but um, you know, towards the end of the season, we had some huge gutsy wins. Um, and really, you know, once we got past the quarterfinal or the, the play in game, I mean um, with Quinnipiac, we, we really, we felt good about ourselves and we felt like we really had the team that could do it this year. Um, so it kind of just went up from there. Did you change your stick at all? Did I, did I what? Change your stick, the, like the, your gear at all to play forward versus defense. I'm just wondering. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I'm not really. The hell kind of question is that? Much, I was... More of a bend on it or <laughs> I don't know. They're called lies. No. Lie, right. They're called, Jesus. <laughs> That's no, no, I just, I figured it was just up to me. That was a legit question. <laughs> from forward, from defense to forward. Anyways, so tell us what uh, does the, your, the championship game, does that just go by in a flash or what do you remember? Like, is there any specific parts of the, of being on the ice for that game that you remember? Um, Gosh, I mean, I think just like the days leading up to it were really surreal because it kind of hits you that like, oh, we're about to play for this. Um, but then once, I mean, once you're in the game, the game is the game. I, I don't think that any of us really thought about it any differently than another hockey game because you, you can't, like you don't have the time to, but um, definitely the last, the last few minutes were very, very nerve wracking. Um, so that was probably when it really stood out to me most, the last few minutes when you're, you're gripping very tightly and <laughs> just, you know, wanting to, to be out there doing something. I think a lot of the girls, um, probably at that point that was mostly adrenaline but but the last few minutes was really very surreal and then obviously being on the ice after having our family and friends our athletic director our president there that really kind of came full circle I think it really was very apparent that Ohio hockey supported us and pretty much the entire state of Ohio <laughs> supported us and it was really cool and I'm sure there was a nice welcome waiting for you guys when you got back to campus yeah yeah there was actually it was it was kind of late but I mean I still now to this day, it's been three months and people still random people on the sidewalk will just be like, oh, my gosh, congratulations. So it's really cool. It's really special to have that kind of support from the community. There's nothing better and there's nothing worse than the last like three minutes of a championship game because when you're winning, because that clock <laughs> does not move. It does not move. No. Right. All right. Uh, Carrie, tell us a little bit about your role behind the beyond coaching. Um, uh, as director of girls hockey for the AAA Blue Jackets, and wh what does that entail in, in detail? I think the biggest thing is just growing the program and growing girls hockey in the community as a whole. So, you know, we're partnering with not only the Columbus Blue Jackets, but Central Ohio Girls Hockey, other organizations in the community that do already do a lot of events for girls, you know, whether it's the Get Out and Learn programs. Uh, learn to play the Columbus Blue Jackets are starting the Blue Jackets Hockey League this year, which is uh, for some of the younger house programs in, in the city. 
So they're going to have dedicated girls teams for that as well. Uh, and, you know, we're looking eventually as this thing grows to, you know, really involve ourselves in all those different aspects of girls hockey in the community. So whether that's mentoring coaches at the lower levels, um, having our girls go out and, you know, help and, and volunteer and, and help with little kids practices and, you know, creating kind of that thread of going all the way from, you know, when they start in learn to play and get out and learn, and then they move on to eight U and then they move on to, to 10 U and 12 U. And then maybe they get into our program and they can see that pathway and they can look up to those girls, much like our girls look up to Emily and other girls that play at that division one level in our national programs. You know, those little girls are going to look up to our girls that are wearing the blue jackets Jersey and say, you know, I want to get to that point when I'm, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. So I think it's going to be really important to, to really get ourselves involved in the community kind of all the way through the girls hockey programming. So up to this point, you know, what has been the extent of girls hockey in the past uh, in not only the Columbus area, but with the blue jackets program. So from my understanding, and this is kind of, you know, been some second information, they did have, you know, a, a couple age groups of very strong girls that had come through the Columbus uh, area and they had kind of tried to have a uh, Ohio Blue Jackets girls program for a few years but unfortunately they just didn't have the numbers in the following age groups to kind of sustain the program and sustain that uh, competitive you know need that they would have to have a tier one team uh, so this is kind of a you know a second chance or a second try at it and the biggest difference that i have noticed is just the sheer number of girls at the age levels that are below our 14u program so it's something where you know as we move forward and as we expand the program there's a very very rich pipeline of girls um, that are coming up that are just going to be able to fill those teams and you know create a very competitive tier one program here in columbus which you know much like our boys program you know we hope to become the premier program here in Ohio and one that is continuously sending girls, you know, to college, whether that be division one, division three. And then, you know, obviously we have higher goals beyond that, but, you know, it'll take us a few years to get there, but we really hope that, uh, that this thing will grow and that, you know, it's going to be something that's going to be very successful. But, you know, other than that, we have girls programs through um, EYHA and Easton that have been operating for quite a few years. So a lot of our girls have kind of come through those programs and, you know, they've partnered with the Blue Jackets to do the get out and learn, as I mentioned. So there's, you know, there's definitely a lot of activities and a lot of ways to get the girls in. So now it's just trying to create that, you know, that final piece of the puzzle of, you know, those girls that want to make hockey their thing and how they're going to get themselves all the way up through to college, you know, creating that pipeline, that, that line for them. Uh, that's great. Great. Well, yeah. And there are a lot of girls that younger girls that play hockey, but when you get to start getting to the older up in the uh, age brackets there, there's no varsity uh, girls hockey in Ohio. Um, Emily, do they have high school girls hockey in Michigan? I'm assuming they do. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty sparse, I'd say, but it does, it does exist there. So it's good. They, you know, they need more places to, to play. There's only a handful of, of places. Uh, Gilmore Academy has a good program up here. We'll be spending a good player down to Ohio state next year. Lane is Petro. Mm -hmm. Uh, is a stud. She's going to be a good one. Um, so Emily, tell us about the, the ambassador role, um, that you're going to be playing in addition to the coaching that you're going to do. 
Yeah. So I was really excited when I had gotten in contact with OBJ because it was something that I have always really wanted to be involved in, in youth programs. And I did volunteer a lot when I got here, but um, I think for me still kind of being in this in between phase of like pursuing professional hockey, but at the same time wanting to be involved in the coaching side, um, we thought it was a good fit because it's something that I'm really passionate about. I want to be here and I want to be a part of it and I want to help build it. Um, but I couldn't necessarily put myself in the position to where um, if I need to go play or if I can have the opportunity to go play that, that I wouldn't be able to do that. And I didn't want to, um, you know, put the program in any bad position because like Carrie said, this is kind of a second chance and we want to make sure that we're doing it right this time. And they wanted the right people and they thought that I was a good fit. Um, and I love everybody in the organization I've met. I respect them a lot and the values they have. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm here to be help for the like for the girls with coaching with the, the summer program that we're working. And then um, through the season, I'll be here. Um, hopefully that I'll be here for most of it. Just being that assistant coach, helping carry in any way I can, but also kind of speaking on the female side of things, connecting with girls. And I think it does help that I was at Ohio state. They saw me in those colors and now they see me here. And, and at the same time, like I can go on the ice and coach with them and then I can jump on the ice and go train myself. And they get to kind of see both sides of that. I think it really helps me connect with them. And in a sense that they see that, that it's real, that I care, that I understand, but I also can help them um, grow if they're, they're willing to be coached. That's great. And uh, we hear that. So this is a 14 U team that you'll be, you guys will be coaching this upcoming season and we understand that there might be some additional uh some additional teams with the program going forward yeah we're looking to you know and it all goes back to my my answer previously about creating that pathway for the girls and you know and talking to some other local girls who you know are already kind of at the age you know at that 14 new age you know, they're already looking at, okay, well, in, in a year or two, where am I going to go? You know, is it now, you know, I have to find somewhere else to go at 16 U now. So we really want to make sure that we offer the pathway for the girls. And, you know, we're um, looking forward to expand the program uh, for the following season. So not for, for 22, 23, but for 23, 24. And, you know, we're hoping to add both uh, a 12 U team and a 16 U team so that that way, you know, we can start creating that direct pathway at the tier one level all the way up through 16U. And then, you know, eventually, you know, we'll see how many years it'll take us. Might be a couple more after that. But, you know, obviously it, the, the main goal would be to also add that 19U team down the road so that that way we have, you know, the full suite and the girls have a pathway directly, you know, from lacing them up at Get Out and Learn to uh, going to college. Okay, question for you. Uh you know, obviously, it sounds like there's there's great interest, and, and it's I'm super glad to hear that there's great interest uh, in Columbus. You know, we do have pretty good interest here in Cleveland when it comes to uh, uh, women's hockey. But you guys are going in as a, as a tier one team uh, now. Will you guys offer a tier two uh, option as well uh, if you if the numbers grow, or are you just guys going to stay strictly tier one? Like you have a tier one team and then a tier two for maybe those players that aren't at that speed yet or at that level yet. So currently in Columbus, we have um, EYHA does run tier two programs. They also currently have a tier one 12 U team as well. Okay. Um, so they do run those programs currently. I mean, what that might look like in a, a year or two, we don't know. Um, could it be a situation where we have, you know, an Ohio Blue Jackets tier two team that would be kind of a, you know, a next best feeder team that could be something that could happen in the future. Obviously, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years. 
um, as organizations kind of move around and, and things like that, we'll see what happens. But, you know, the, the idea is that regardless of if those programs are under our umbrella or they're not, um, we want to be there to help support them. You know, whether, like I said, that's coaching, mentoring, that's our roles, being involved and being out to practices. Um, you know, we want to make sure, and we, you know, we also want to offer programming that can help those girls improve, whether it be over the summer uh, or during the season as well. Well, one of the things that we, we stress on this podcast is, you know, we're continuing to grow the game as best as we can. And that's, we end it every uh, week that way. Right. So I just want to personally thank you guys for growing the game uh, in the proper way, the best that we can uh, getting more of our youth uh, males and females involved in this game uh, it, for the right reasons in the right way. And um, you know, what a great uh, role model to have Emily there, Ohio state Buckeye national champ, come out, work with the girls. Just, it's, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, you probably going to get more girls coming out uh, because of that pipeline right there. Seriously. And say, all right, Hey, look at, this is what can happen. You know? And, and, and I know it wasn't all easy, Emily. I, I know that. I mean, it was hard work to get there, but uh, for the girls to see that, like you said, see you train at some point, you guys are growing the game the best that you can. And we do appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And obviously the, the Ohio state women winning the national championship this year was not terrible timing for us. It was definitely, <laughs> oh, uh, no. it definitely worked out well for us. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we definitely want to thank you guys for coming on the podcast, coming on the show tonight. Thanks for taking the time out to uh, talk about the uh, uh, blue jackets. Uh, they're uh, expanding into uh, the women's game, which is exciting. Um, and, you know, getting to know a little bit about both you guys. And, and again, congratulations on me on the national championship. Uh, and Carrie, congratulations on the new position and, and uh, best of luck to, to all of you and, and both of you in those roles. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no problem. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate this. Well, Scott, it was uh, um, very interesting because as we do talk about growing the game every day, right? It, it, it's interesting to see how when you put a plan together, you know, and, 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 it's, and again, it's got to be done the right way. We talk about this all the time on the show about certain organizations, certain people that just don't do the right thing for right kids and families. Right. I mean, I, I think that this this the, the model, the business plan, if you will, pretty darn good. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, the, the female guests that we've had on the podcast, it seems like so many of them especially from the Cleveland area, it seems like they end up going to Pittsburgh or something right? to, to take that next step and, and to just have, uh, you know, the 14U team this year to give more girls the option to play at that level, tier one level here in Ohio, and then they'll add two more, an age group before and after it uh, mm -hmm. the following season. Uh, that's great. And I think, <clears throat> yeah, the timing with Ohio State oh, women, gosh. they had, I think I've talked about this before, uh, in the seventies in in uh, New England, they had all the municipal rinks were just, they tripled it, quadrupled the number of municipal rinks that they had. They called them Bobby Orr rinks. Right. Cause everybody wanted to be Bobby Orr and they're all watching all the young impressionable kids, you know, the wanted to start playing hockey when they saw that. So there's sure. a good chance that we see that type of a boom coming here with girls hockey in, in Ohio. One of the things I did want to, and, and I wanted to ask her and I just, it slipped my mind was that, you know, she talked about wanting to go play pro you know, so what does that look like next? You know what I mean? What does, you know, and, and is that the next, is that the next thing that we need to do to grow the game is, is to get a solidified, legit women's pro league, you know? Yeah. I don't, 
follow it super close, but I know they've they've gone. I think they went from two leagues to one, right? So they've consolidated. That's my understanding. That yeah. Much. Um, I think they needed to get to that point before the NHL would probably start subsidizing it or getting involved because they didn't want to pick favorites and, you know, right. sponsor one league and not the other one. And then that's the reason it fails, you know. You know, one of my favorite things to watch is basketball. You know that, right? I say that sarcastically. <laughs> um, but the NBA and the WNBA, they figured it out a way to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we need to, 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 our game needs to look at that. Yeah. You know, we definitely need to look at, at there's more there's more uh, women playing hockey than there ever has been right now. Yeah. And if you watched, uh, you know, the Olympics, U.S. against Canada or that Ohio State, Minnesota Duluth mm-hmm. game, the national champion, that's exciting hockey. Oh, my gosh. You can have some really, you know, a good product. Uh, so I'm sure the NHL will figure out some way to uh, made a, you know, make a made for TV um, type of league. If, you know, I don't know what kind of numbers are drawn, but uh they can they can make money on it somehow and and help uh, help grow it. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Check us out at www.ohiohockeydigest.com for episode archives and a list of upcoming guests. Continuing to grow the game the best that we can. This is on air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. Mm-hmm.